Today, Alora Herberick, the owner of Evolve Mindset, a yoga studio in New Milford, Connecticut, shares all about yoga. Alora has practiced yoga both on and off the mat since she was six years old. She, she studied Ashtanga Vinyasa through an intensive 200-hour training at All Yoga School in Thailand back in 2017, and she received her 300-hour training in yin and restorative yoga with My Vinyasa Practice in 2020. She's a 500-hour Yoga Alliance registered instructor and has been teaching in New Milford, Connecticut and the surrounding areas for the past six-plus years. Through her practice, she's learned that yoga is not only about the physical daily practice of beautiful and challenging poses, it's also about mastering the mind, the breath, and the spirit. After four years at Awe Yoga with Anne Hungerford's mentorship, she acquired the new Milford location and rebranded to Evolve Yoga Wellness Nutrition in 2021. Alora aims to bring together the ancient yoga discipline with modern science and sustainability and believes that the path forward is through community connection and healthy lifestyle choices for our body, our minds, and for our planet. Without further ado, let's get into today's conversation. Welcome to Holistic Wellness a podcast exploring the science and metaphysics of health and wellness. I'm your host, Brandi Searcy, founder and formulator at Rain Organica, where you'll find holistic skincare in one simple routine. Today, I'm sitting down with Alora Herberick of Evolve Yoga. Well, Evolve Yoga Wellness. (laughs) Alora, welcome to the show. Thank you, Brandy. I'm so excited to be here. Yes, I'm very excited to have you. We've communicated just back and forth on Instagram for a little while, and it's nice to actually sit down and and be able to talk with you about your yoga experience. Yeah, you too. It's nice to see your face. I'm very excited to have like a face to put to the name, you know? Yeah, yeah, (laughs) for sure. So how did you get into yoga? So this is a funny story. My mom, when I was really, really young, she, she was kind of into yoga. She's always been on the more spiritual side of things. And she gave me this VHS called EIEI Yoga. It was set on a farm and, um, the farmer was the yoga teacher. There were kids, obviously. And then how now the brown cow and Rasta the rooster, who is my personal favorite. <laughs> and it was, it was really fun. It was, you know, sun salutations and really tree pose and really having fun as like a kid. I did it every single day. I was obsessed with it. So from a really early age, the physical aspect of it came to me very easily. Um, I was a dancer. I did gymnastics growing up. So flexibility was never really um, a problem for me. I've always been very flexible. But um, as I got older, I started running. I was a cross-country runner and I wasn't that good at it. (laughs) Both of my parents were swimmers. They really wanted me to go in that direction. But I was 
I was kind of a rebel and I just wanted to prove them wrong. Um, and I didn't realize for a long time that I was running on empty. I, I had left any aspect of my yoga practice. I was just running and running and running. And it wasn't until college that I really understood that I was running away from emotions and running away from like how I actually felt or wanted to be perceived or anything. I just kept running away. And I came back into yoga uh, when I was in the Peace Corps in Thailand. And, you know, they call the Peace Corps the hardest job you'll ever love. And it was definitely that. <laughs> um, but it it was it was really lonely. You know, I was I was in the middle of one of the poorest regions of Thailand. I, I had a lot of friends, but they all were Thai speakers. So I didn't have like really anybody nearby. Of course, we would go on little trips to see other volunteers and everything. But that's really when I started coming back to yoga and actually learning about the mental aspects and how I could heal like a lot of my anxiety from breathing and just sitting in stillness. I don't know. I think a lot of people, um, my, myself included, will keep busy, keep going as, as long as they can to avoid actually dealing with a problem. And I found that that's what I had been doing. Like the physical stuff came so easily. So I didn't really understand um, the mental aspect of it until, you know, 2016. So I've been doing this for my whole life. And for the first 20 years of it, I didn't understand the actual purpose that the physical was a, a tool for the metaphysical and for healing and being present and being connected to our bodies and connected to things we may be holding on to that we can finally breathe and let go of, you know? So I know that was just a mouthful, but, <laughs> but that's kind of like my story on how I got started and progressed to now owning a yoga studio. So it's pretty crazy. <laughs> yeah. So uh, there are about three different tangents to go off of here from what you said. Um, let's see, which one to dive into first. So, well, just to share, I mean, my experience is very much the same as yours. It came to yoga because it was exercise, not really thinking of it more as this mental and emotional tool to help really integrate the entire body. Um, when you, how do I want to ask this? So th throughout your journey with yoga, did you, did your practices change? Did you change which type of yoga you were performing? And then when you started using it as a tool to calm your mind, what did that look like? Did, were you changing, were you really more focused on the breath and holding postures or what did that look like? Mm. Okay. Okay. So the short answer is yes, it's changed 
a multitude of times. Um, I think, you know, when I was growing up, I was practicing more along the lines of Hatha yoga, really holding postures. It wasn't until Thailand when I started more of a vinyasa practice and I really started connecting the breath to the movement. And for me in that moment, it was everything I needed. It, it gave me a sense of power um, and empowerment. It gave me a sense of control with my body and, and also a fluidity, this kind of um, beautiful dance of expression when before I had felt very uncomfortable in my body and I didn't, um, I, I held a lot of tension. So holding those postures wasn't necessarily benefiting me because it kept me tight and held in. Um, and then when I started flowing, that's when I, I started actually feeling like the tingles afterwards, like the yogi high, if you will, right? Or the yoga days, we call it afterwards. Um, and then when I went into my yoga teacher training, it was, it was at a point in my life when I had gotten out of a, a really abusive relationship and I just wanted, I wanted to drastically change my life. I was you know, just getting out of the Peace Corps. So I, I quit drinking alcohol. I, I quit smoking cigarettes. I quit eating meat in one go. And I just kind of had this massive shift. Um, and I attribute that huge shift in my life to that yoga teacher training. I was, I was on an island in Thailand for 30 days um, and, you know, eating raw plants and having these deep meditative experiences and experiencing sound baths for the first time and meditating under the full moon and feeling at last connected to myself and realizing that I had been holding on to so much from the past that, you know, I thought I was healing you know, when we think we're on that path and then I'm like, wow, I have so much work left to do. <laughs> and, and for a long time, I had this idea that, um, that to be healed, you had to be like all together and, and have this perfect view of, of yourself and your life. And, you know, that perception keeps changing just as my practice keeps changing. Um, when I got out of my yoga teacher training, I was uh, a hard core Ashtangi. I did Ashtanga like six days a week. It was, it was the control and the routine that I needed in my life at that time. Um, that was now, oh my God, five years ago. And since then I've, I've moved into more gentle practices. I've moved into um, more nidra and yin aspects. I, I teach a restorative class once a week. Like parts of me had to experience the flow, the movement yeah. in order to experience the stillness. There was no way that I could do the practices that I do now four years ago. I, I would have said, okay, I think I'm done with yoga. Uh, this isn't for me, you know? Like I would have never gotten this far because at that point in my life, 
I needed movement. I needed to go, go, go. And now I'm like, I need to lay down. <laughs> I need to take a breather. I need, I need like a moment to just pause, which is, I think, a really awesome moment in time to realize the shift and to not fight the shift. Kind of be like, okay, this is where I'm at right now. This is what I need. Maybe I'll go back to Ashtanga. I always, you know, I was on vacation last week and I did that practice and that felt good. Um, but now this week I'm like, hmm, nap time. <laughs> like, I'm just gonna lay down. Or even um, you mentioned the, the breath work. That's a whole nother tangent we could go on. Um, I don't know if you wanna save that for another episode. <laughs> because um, I really could talk about breathing probably the most. Um, as, as a teenager, well, really, when I was a, a kid, I had severe anxiety. Um, I, I guess you would call it high-functioning anxiety. I would go the whole day, be super outgoing, super fun, and then I would go home and have these intense panic attacks and like not be able to breathe and, you know, the racing thoughts, feeling like everything and then feeling nothing at the same time. And um, it wasn't until my yoga teacher training that I actually understood that breathing could change all of that. And I really think that was the turning point where I was like, okay, I'm gonna flow through, I'm gonna move this energy. And now I'm at the point where I'm like, okay, I can kind of settle, I can, I can experience emotions much more fully than I used to be able to. And I attribute that 100% to yoga and breath work and meditation. I mean, I, I don't know where I would be without it. It's, it's been this huge catalyst in my life, you know? Yeah. So speaking of the breath work, can you just talk through maybe just some some of the more basic concepts of that, um, for instance, I've been told before to extend my exhales. Mm. Okay, so if you're looking for stress relief, extending your exhales is where it's at. Um, from what I've learned about the breath, when we hold our breath, right? When we have a, a high breath retention we're expanding our lung capacity. We're allowing extra time for that oxygen to connect to our cells. Um, we're really invigorating the body. Whereas when you have a longer exhale, it's allowing more time for the oxygen to move through the body, for that carbon dioxide to do its job by connecting the oxygen. So when we just breathe out, like through the mouth particularly, um, all that energy is gone really quick. And with it, all that oxygen. So when we take that long, purposeful exhale through the nose, that extra time just calms the body. You know, I, I used to be a skeptic of it because I heard that if you took three deep belly breaths, you could avoid a panic attack. And the idea with breath work is just like yoga, it's a practice, right? So 
if you go into a situation without the practice and you try to rely on it, um, it's not going to do much for you. So the idea is this preemptive work where now I'm at the point where I can start to feel my body going into a panic attack. And at that moment of realization of awareness, I take those three deep breaths and I come out of it. Now, if I let myself go into the panic attack, it is a lot harder to get out of it. It takes a lot more of those breaths, <laughs> but um, that, that extension of the exhale is to calm you completely. Um, I tell that to my high school students who have trouble sleeping. If you focus on your belly breathing, the belly rising and falling and, and really listening to the sound of the breath, it becomes so relaxing that it's a lot easier to fall asleep. I'm not saying it's a, an end all be all, but it's a tool. It's a wonderful tool. And to know how deeply important our lungs are and that we have this ability to control the lungs and to improve them, thus improving everything else that goes on in our bodies. I just think that's mind blowing. There's so much research that's been done in the past about the breath. And I think now it's starting to circle back into, into the realm of research and, and scientific um, experiments. But, you know, I, I like to think of free divers who have this incredible breath retention and can go deep into the ocean and stay there for five, six minutes and resurface and be totally fine their oxygen levels stayed exactly the same while they were diving underwater. And that's because of their insane breath work practice. I, I just got certified to scuba dive, so I'm kind of pumped about it. Um, but just learning how your breath can control so much more than we give it credit for. You know, in, in a yogic uh, perspective, there, there was two trains of thought that we had a certain amount of breaths per lifetime and a certain amount of heartbeats. But I think one is relying on the other. So if we're taking those long, slow breaths, our heart's gonna have this steady beat. Um, we're gonna have insane stamina. We're gonna be able to go to sleep faster and wake up more refreshed. It's you know, I, um, I think about it every day because I, I did smoke cigarettes and, and the damage that I did to my sense of smell and, um, and going through this journey of like reintroducing myself to the lungs and, and noticing how much tension we hold in that area and particularly the belly because really none of us breathe properly, right? So um, it's funny, the first thing that I notice when I go into coffee shops is if people are breathing and nobody is. Like it's that shallow, like one third lung capacity, yeah. very, very shallow breathing. And then I take a big breath for everyone and I'm like, 
<sighs> like, can we just breathe? Like everybody would be so much less tense and maybe have a smile on their face if they actually were oxygenating themselves. But we get so caught up in our minds and the to-do list and everything else that is demanded of us that the lungs take a back seat because they work on their own. Why do we have to pay attention to it if it works on its own? But when we do pay attention, I mean, it's such a gift. We, we get to be present in that moment, in that breath. And thank goodness for that breath, right? We're alive. That's, that's the golden era, right? I, um, I ask my high school students this and I ask them, uh, what, what is the most important organ in the body? And they always tell me it's the brain or the heart. And I argue with them <laughs> that it's the lungs every time because without the lungs, nothing else works. And if we don't take care of our lungs and if we don't breathe that full, full breath, then everything else doesn't work as well. And I, I, strongly, I strongly stand by that. It's helped me significantly and I, I hope that, um, you know, through, through my classes, through the classes of the other teachers at my studio, that we teach people that um, because it makes such a difference. And it sounds so simple. Yeah. So you mentioned yoga, meditation, and breath work. And when you were doing, when you were going through your yoga teacher training. So with that, can you talk just a little bit more about how really the three of those practices are integrated? And then also what your preferred way of doing those, it feels like it's often recommended to do those as a set. Um, yeah. So what your preferred way of doing those is. Absolutely. So in a traditional yogic perspective, we work off the eight limbs of yoga. The eight limbs consist of our connection to ourselves, how we take care of ourselves, cleanliness, our connection to others, how we treat them, respect, um, you know, love, compassion. And then it moves into the breath. That's the first thing. And I kind of structure my classes and my practice that way okay. by first bringing attention to the breath. Because when we notice it, then we begin to notice the body. And I always suggest doing the physical practice of yoga before trying to sit down and meditate. It's kind of like my, my own journey. I had to move before I could sit down. And I yeah. think a lot of us are like that, right? Like yeah. we, we need to get that energy out because it's in there, right? It's, it's like held on, we need to move. And then we can pause. We can have that awareness in order to concentrate and focus on something, especially now, like our attention spans are so short. So if we can breathe to focus on the body then the body moves, the breath moves the body, and then we pause. It's like Shavasana, right? Our final resting pose. So that in and of itself is kind of a meditation. It's, it's that moment of relief of, 
okay, I don't have to do anything. I don't have to think. If a thought comes, that's okay, but I don't have to follow it. And that's actually one of the biggest misconceptions I've, I've heard of, or excuse me, meditation, is that we have to clear our mind. If we cleared our mind, there would be a significant problem. Right? <laughs> like, that's just like, I, I like to think of the ancient monks in the Himalayas who were meditating for hours a day. They could clear their mind because they were alone in the mountains. As, as a modern householder who has a family and friends and a job, it is nearly impossible to clear that out, right? But the idea is that we don't have to follow the thought. We don't have to go down that road. We can instead return to the breath. We can take a moment to pause and say, is this thought gonna lead me somewhere I wanna go? Or is it a bad thought that I don't wanna follow? Is it something that can I can come back to later? You know, instead of allowing the mind to just do what it does, you know, the monkey mind, we call it in yoga because it is like that. And, um, and then coming back to that whole idea of the eight limbs, you know, focus leads to concentration, concentration leads to meditation, meditation leads to enlightenment. And the idea is that we're lighting up the prefrontal cortex of the brain, the pineal gland, this point of humanity, the only difference in our brains from us and the, and the apes. So it's, that's our humanity. And we're so shut off from that all the time because all the blood goes to the hide brain. We're, we're working, we're driving, we're doing something that needs us in our bodies. But when we get into that meditative state, it's so cerebral. It's so, um, you know, you could see colors, you could see light or even, or darkness and have that moment of, wow, does this feel like I'm connected to the universe around me? I, I am one with this moment. And that's the true purpose of, of yoga to get to that moment to say, okay, everything is connected and finding the beauty in that. And it's full circle. You know, I think that's why our practices change as we grow and go through different life phases and traumatic situations, because in those moments, evolutionarily, we need to find something that's going to build us back up and take us where we need to go. And that's one of the reasons why I love going to a yoga class, because you're in a room with people who may not know each other, but they are all on that same wavelength of okay, I'm here for me. I'm here for me in this moment. And whatever I need, I'm going to take that. And I think it's, it's so beautiful because it truly is personalized for everyone. But everyone takes something different from the practice. And whatever you need in that moment, it can offer it to you. If you need the physical you take it. If you need the nap, you take it, right? Yeah. If you need to calm down, you take it. And, and there's um, just also the concept of, you know, 
yoga doesn't look one way. It looks so many different ways on so many different people and at so many different phases of life. And I, I hope that it continues to foster change because I actually just posted a quote on our Instagram that, you know, we, we all long for world peace, but if we can't find peace within ourselves, that's inaccessible. We're never going to get to world peace if we can't make peace in our own hearts and our own minds, because then we're always going to be acting from a wound from some pain in the past or worry for the future. So I don't really know where I was going with that, but just the idea that um, it all starts with us. Like we need to learn more about what's going on inside of us so that we can take care of each other, yeah. you know? Yeah, that increased state of awareness that it Absolutely. brings. Absolutely. Um, so I, I want to get into how, like why you decided to, um, start your studio before we move into that, however, because you've mentioned yin yoga and yoga nidra. Um, those are some practices that I myself have are, they're relatively new for me as well. Um, so I think that they may be ones that people listening aren't as familiar with as say Bikram yoga or some of the or some of the asanas yeah. flow type yogas. Absolutely. Um, yeah, I had no idea what yin was um, until I took my first yin class. And at that moment, I was in the, the flow phase and I was so uncomfortable. Um, being in stillness for long periods of time, you know, between three to five minutes for these postures where you're active, but at the same time, finding a deep, deep connection to muscular tissue or um, ligaments. It was difficult. It was not something that I ran back to right away. Um, but I guess over the past, you know, actually, it started when COVID started, I needed I needed something <laughs> and I tried my best to get uncomfortable because I was already so uncomfortable and I was like, everything is awful and weird and I don't know what to do. So I'm just going to kind of dive into it. And I got my 300 hour in yin and yoga nidra for that purpose. Yin is meant to create these micro tears in your ligaments. The idea is that when it's creating these micro tears, it actually grows back stronger and creates stronger foundation for our bones, for our muscles, for everything to have this strong, sturdy foundation. Uh, the byproduct is emotional release and a lot of it, uh, particularly in lizard pose and pigeon pose, those deep hip openers, often crying, just tears, <laughs> you know, come through from those postures. 
and it's because um, we we hold on, we hold on so tightly, and even through the um, like Bikrams and the Ashtanga and the Vinyasa type practices, because we're flowing, we may not notice the tightness building in our hips because we're it's fluid. Yeah, Yin is typically done on cold muscles. Um, preferably in the morning when, when you haven't moved much yet. So it's really working when your body is at its tightest and you pause for three to five minutes in that discomfort. And oh my gosh, it's tough. But afterwards, it is like the most amazing feeling. You feel so limber and open and um, alive because it moves all of that fluid through. So when we're doing these active holds, we're cutting off uh, the circulation to that particular area. After the five minutes and we release all that fluid rushes back, it kind of creates a throbbing sensation, but it's that rebuilding, rebonding, reconnecting. And boy, it it does wonders. I, as I said, I was a runner. Um, my knees and my hips, I stopped running because I was like, I got to preserve these things. <laughs> and uh, yin, I've noticed a significant difference in the way that my knees feel, in the way that my hips move. Um, it's, it's definitely helped me when I thought all I needed was deep movement like constant movement. Yeah. Uh, the stillness is, it's still new, but it's so, it's so good. Have you had that same experience? So to be honest, I've only done yin yoga, I think twice. Okay. Um, just because for me, <laughs> this is going to sound so bad. I'll go ahead and say it anyway, because this is just what I think for me. If, if, if I'm not active, if I'm not doing something that's gonna feel like exercise for me i'm like oh this is a waste of time <laughs> totally understand i totally get it oh my gosh okay so you and i are very similar in that like okay we gotta go we gotta move gotta keep it going it was very hard very hard but that is um i think it's a lesson in that we don't have to be productive to to make something beautiful happen. Like we don't necessarily have to keep pushing and going. We can actually settle in and get even more great benefits. I mean, like I said, emotionally, mentally, it's tough. Cause the mind is like, like you said, uh, I got a million things to do. What am I doing here? Like, this is a waste, <laughs> you know? Um, and I think that's part of it because it gets us in touch with those thoughts that maybe we wouldn't have thought. One of the things that I say during my yin classes uh, is that if any thoughts, worries, memories come to mind, notice them. Ask them why they're there. Why in this moment have you decided to pop up? If it continues further. Maybe that thought needs some nurturing. Maybe it needs a hug. Maybe we need to just accept a, a welcomed break. There's, there's so many things that yin opens us up to 
that I think we might be missing if we're constantly going. It's, it's called yin for a reason. It's the opposition to yang. And without both, we're imbalanced. We have too much of this floaty moving energy. We need grounding. We need calming and soothing so that we can keep going with our uh, movement, you know, and not burn out and feel completely depleted. So I really think that it, it's a beautiful balance, even though it's uncomfortable physically, mentally, and emotionally. <laughs> yeah. I, for me, I was always one of those who, when it came time for Shavasana, I was, I was pretty much, okay, class is over. I'm out of here. It's taken me, I mean, I just now in the past six months have gotten to where I will do Shavasana at the end of it, just because it's been explained. I finally had it explained in such a way to understand that it allows, it allows your body to integrate all of the movement that just happened. Exactly. For, I mean, so long I, I didn't. And I'm, I love how you explained the yin yoga, because I think when I'm in those postures, it just gets to a point where I am uncomfortable. And then at the end of it, I feel frozen mm -hmm. and just not understanding what it's really doing for me. So you explaining, oh, this is, this is what it's doing. This is the why behind it that helps so much. Yeah. And uh, another um, kind of byproduct of yin, it's not the purpose, but a byproduct of it is that it actually lengthens and strengthens the, the fascia, um, that overlaying tissue of the muscle. So it, it really has these deep benefits when we choose to do it, right? Yin is not for everyone. And I really do believe that it takes a while in your practice to get to that point. Um, if, if you are blessed with a calm mindset automatically and can go into restorative postures and yin postures easily, I, I, I think that's amazing. I wish I could be like that. Um, but I think for, I, I would call myself a type A personality. Um, for that type of personality, I think it takes a longer journey. It takes more time and practice to get to know what you need, when you need it, and, and really to experiment. You know, I, I like to think of each practice as an experiment to see like, how is my body feeling today? How am I emotionally? Am I mentally exhausted? If so, then I can kind of manipulate my practice to suit how I'm doing in that day. That was, that was hard, the hardest realization for me because with Ashtanga, it was six days a week, an hour and a half every day. I was in that routine. And when I didn't do that practice or I didn't meditate for exactly 20 minutes a day, I felt like a failure. I felt like I wasn't doing it right. I wasn't doing the yoga as it should be practiced. I had this very black and white kind of view of how that practice needed to be and how I needed to be for that practice. And then I was like, why am I doing this to myself? Like, I, 
I am a shoulder. Like I should on myself as my therapist has said many times. Um, and when you should on yourself all the time, then nothing is ever good enough, right? Like we constantly are searching for betterment and being more healed or more um, in touch with ourselves. And I, I'm just beginning to throw that mentality away and being like, I need to just sit and breathe today. I'm not going to do handstands. I'm not going to do vinyasa. I just need to sit and breathe. And I think those are my real moments of growth where I'm like, oh, I, I don't have to do it this way every day. I don't have to move when I'm exhausted. Or if I really want to move, I can, you know, and that just full circle back to this idea that it's your practice and like, it can be exactly what you need it to be. And whatever that looks like is okay in that moment. You know, I have a lot of students who get frustrated with like balancing postures and I'm like, remember to breathe. It always comes back to the breath. If, if we're breathing, we're doing yoga. That's kind of like the end all be all for me. <laughs> and thank you so much for saying that. I mean, this is, this is just so affirming just because I'm exactly the same way with the, um, yeah. So over the past year, I've kind of taken a deep dive off into Ayurveda. And with that, this whole concept of a daily routine, and it has to be this way. And I adapted this really rigid, almost like building a prison for myself on what needed to be done in a day and how it needed to be done. And it's just, it's, it's too rigid, a mindset for myself. And then it's too rigid, a mindset. It's almost like I'm extending that idea out into all of my relationships as well. And so it's, it was just, it's, it's so detrimental and yet it's so hard. I think for those of us who are type A to overcome that. Absolutely. Um, I think it's amazing that you've been diving into Ayurveda. It's the sister science of yoga. It, it has so many incredible benefits. Um, but I, I may be inaccurate on this response, but I believe it was created in kind of the same line of extreme Hatha yogis that were really into cleansing their bodies and doing these deep cleans. Um, and again, I, I, I strongly believe that these practices serve a deep physical and metaphysical purpose and they are insanely beneficial, but anything that makes you feel like you're, you're building a wall around yourself on like how you have to be, that is the opposite of yoga. You know, yoga yeah. is about self-acceptance and um, we're humans. We, we are so far from perfect and that is the beauty of it. Like we get to wake up every day and make a choice on what we're going to eat, on what we're going to do, on who we're going to talk to. And if part of that feels like it's hindering you more so than 
it's helping you, then it's, it's time to shift into a new relationship with it. Right. That's, that's kind of been my constant, um, revisiting of yoga has been redefining my relationship with the practice and also recognizing that yoga itself is a masculine movement. You know, the yang energy created by men for men. And as women, we move cyclically, we move in a rhythm and one day is not the same as the other. And we need to be more open to, to that fluidity and like routines are amazing, but I can't stick to one. I push myself so hard to stay on one path. And then I'm like, oh my God, I can't do this. I'm so tired. And then I completely just throw it out (laughs) and start over again. (laughs) And I kind of think that's part of um, like our cultural upbringing too. We're always, you know, all these fad diets and telling us we have to be a certain way and do a certain thing to be the best or be successful or whatever. And it's like, why can't we just be allowed to be different, to change what we want from day to day, from um, experimenting with one way of life and then maybe deciding that's not for us and turning to another path. Like there's, there's so many limitless tools and opportunities that I don't know, I never want to be tied to something so deeply again. Like, I don't know, at, at that point in my life, just thinking about the Ashtanga and like that cleansing practice, I still, it's one of my favorite things to do, but I felt held hostage by it. I felt like I couldn't experiment with other practices. I couldn't um, go on a trip because I had to do this practice. I couldn't go out to dinner because I had to eat a certain way. And, And even so, I mean, the yogic and the Ayurvedic way of eating it's very difficult to go eat out, <laughs> right? <laughs> yes, it is. Yeah, <laughs> and like kind of going back to that idea of like, we're not monks in the Himalayas. Right. That, is, that is not us. Like we have friends, family jobs, we have a life. And it all comes back to that idea of finding balance. And like, what works for me right now? Listening to my body, what works for me? And then tossing away everything else, because if we decide we want it, okay, we'll go back and and change it up again. It's this constant conscious effort to change, to evolve instead of like, okay, this is who I am. This is what I do. And that's it. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Cause I, I have felt that for so long and I was like, no, I don't want that anymore. I can't be this, like, I don't know what's, um, like Instagram versus reality. Right. Yeah. Yeah. You know, like this, this ideal picture of what yoga looks like and what it's supposed to be. No, (laughs) I live a life and it's messy and I'm a human and I make mistakes constantly. (laughs) And, 
I think the the best part of all that is yoga taught me to to be like that. It, it taught me to step outside of my comfort zone. I had to be in that comfort zone in the beginning for a long time. And then all of a sudden, little bits of me started peeking out. And I was like, okay, I think it's safe to kind of get uncomfortable. And every day that I choose to get uncomfortable is a great day. When I decide that I'm going to be in my comfort zone and kind of do my own thing as I would, I'm not as alive. You know, I think it's all about that um, being open to change and being open to life as it is and accepting it and finding gratitude in that moment for what it is and being like, wow. And it again, comes right back to the breath. I'm alive. I'm alive in this moment. Why am I judging myself for how I'm doing something or how I'm not doing something? And, you know, I, I get a lot of type A personalities that come into the studio and I think a lot of their first practices are really difficult because they're they're in that fear-based thinking. They're judging themselves. They're they're not sure if they're doing it right. Or um, and over the course of I don't know how long. I would say maybe a month of consistent practicing. They're like, wow, I, I I've never felt like this before. Like. I, I feel like not judged at all. Everybody's doing what they need to be doing. And it's, it's like freedom from that construct, that prison that we get to step outside of. But it takes time. And as I said, constant conscious effort. <laughs> So let's talk, let's talk about Evolve for a few minutes. Sure. Um, so what, why did you decide to start your own practice? And then I, I feel like this idea, I feel like you naming it, that was just kind of, it was there when you decided what to call it because um, yeah, you keep, you keep returning to this idea of constant evolution and constant like your practice evolves based on what you need from day to day. Um, Absolutely. But if there was any, of course, it seems so obvious now, if there was any in the beginning, if you just knew that you wanted to call it that as well, or if there was any epiphanies associated with the name? Yeah, so so the story is as how I got the studio. I So when I got back from Thailand, um, I started as a studio assistant at this yoga studio. At the time it was called Ah Yoga, uh, owned by Ann Hungerford. And I quickly started subbing classes. Um, Ann gave me my own classes. And, you know, by 2020, we were about to partner. Um, I had really grown with that studio. And I love the space. It, it was my home when when I got back to New Milford, you know, I grew up here. Um, I felt really lost. I really didn't have a lot of friends here anymore. I was a completely different person um, to what they had known me as. And Ah Yoga really gave me a home. It 
it gave me a community. It gave me a purpose. And I wasn't even planning on staying here. Um, but it just all kind of happened. Like it, it feels like it was supposed to happen. You know, I'm a firm believer of everything happens for a reason. And then the pandemic hit and we kind of decided that I was going to take over this studio and I rebranded as evolve. Um, and the name it, it actually, I remember it very vividly. Um, cause I was playing with a couple of different names. And when I said evolve, I was like, oh my God, that's it. And I made the logo in like five minutes and, <laughs> and it was just there. And I was like, oh my God, that's it. And, uh, it, it just was like that aha moment because I studied cultural anthropology and political science in college. Okay. Like I studied evolution yeah. and I, I've always been so drawn to the concept of humanity and how we've developed and all of these different civilizations and societies that have created this, this world that we, that we live in. And I really wanted to be a part of creating a much healthier version of that world. Um, I saw the shifts that yoga made in me and I wanted to present that in a way that was accessible to my community. And, and it is, it's something that's hardwired in my mind that we have an opportunity to evolve. Why not take it and do everything we can to, to get uncomfortable and to make those um, evolutionary leaps so that, you know, our species survives <laughs> like hard, 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 cold facts there. You know, I want our species to survive. I want our earth to be healthy. I want the, the animals to be plentiful, the, the land to be rich. And we can only do that if we take personal responsibility on our own evolution and our own betterment. So, so that we don't leave the earth in chaos because there's way too much of that. <laughs> we don't need that. <laughs> yeah. And you, so you mentioned community support because this is one of the things that is I feel is so unique about Evolve about your about can you just share how you pull in how you give opportunity to your community? Yeah, absolutely. So we offer free community yoga up on the New Milford Green during the summer uh, from April to October. We do that and that's a once a month opportunity. Um, I really wanted first off to just let people see what yoga looks like yeah. so that they, they can be like, oh, that doesn't look so hard, you know? And, and secondly, to give an opportunity to people who maybe couldn't afford a yoga class to come and share that experience and get to know us and, you know, see if it's something that they themselves 
could do or if we could support them in any way to help them along the way in that personal practice. Um, we do a monthly community circle that's run by a friend of mine, Virginia, all about active listening, compassion, and relationship building. It's a free event. Again, something that I just wanted to have the doors open to. You know, I know a lot of people moved into the area recently over the past few years. And um, if they felt anything like I felt when I got back from Thailand, they need a community, some somewhere to go to talk, to be seen, and to know that they're not alone, especially now. Like, we're all struggling emotionally. <laughs> so to just have somewhere to go and, and connect was really important to me. Um, we hosted one open mic night. I'm trying to get that back up and running. I definitely want to do it again. Uh, again, this was, this was a dry event. Um, I really wanted to provide an opportunity for creative expression in a safe environment. Um, cause every open mic I've been to was at like a bar yeah. and, and I don't know, that's like not my scene anymore. So, um, I really wanted to provide something along those lines. So we have a ton of like really cool events and, um, lectures and all sorts of kind of, I call them like think pieces where we can just go and learn. Um, I'm trying to start up a book club right now, just lots of things kind of on the horizon um, to build connection. And, you know, the book club would be all yoga books. So at the same time, we're learning, um, we're connecting over the practice. So yeah, lots of really fun stuff. Um, I also did the uh, pride crosswalk on uh, Bank Street the past two years. We painted the rainbow crosswalk with our, our volunteers. And that's something we're going to do again this spring, um, you know, just to show inclusivity in our town and our community and really um, support as many people in their journey as we can. Like I, I just want, I, I just want to provide a safe space. And if, if I can do that for, for one person, I'm, I'm content, but if I could do that for a whole community, I, I would just be so blessed to be able to do that. So, you know, there's always something on my mind. I'm an ideas person. So always thinking of the next thing to, help in any way, you know, trying my best. <laughs> Does Evolve offer any online classes or did, is that something you guys started during the pandemic? Yes. So okay. most of my classes that I teach, um, I offer in studio and virtually. Um, okay. I'm the only teacher right now that offers virtual classes through, through Evolve. Um, but they are available. You can get a single virtual class. You can get an unlimited month, which includes the virtual classes. Um, I like having them because this weird snow and weather that we've had, um, if I cancel the in-studio class, we still have the virtual, which I know people really appreciate yeah. being able to do that. So, yeah. Yeah. Uh, so, gosh, 
And Laura, it feels like we could just keep right on talking. We're up against our hour here and just want to be respectful of your time. Um, what, I, as we wrap up, of course, please, um, well, okay, let me take this kind of systematically. Are there <laughs> any resources that you recommend to people who want to explore yoga more like specifically here you mentioned the book club so i'm thinking books or any resources such as that and then the second question kind of along those same lines is do you have a favorite book any any book not necessarily related to yoga or it could be okay yes so i forgot to mention that at the studio we actually have a lending library um it's full of all different yoga nutrition uh buddhist all, all sorts of different books um, that you can come and take out from the studio, come uh, bring it to your home and read, and then bring back whenever you're done with it. Um, again, another, I just wanted to provide that resource for people. So uh, we do have a ton of, a ton of great books there. Um, as far as my favorite book, I don't think I have it on me right now. Um, but it's actually, I can't even remember the name right now. Oh my gosh. But it's about um, the, the evolution of kitchen, kitchen utensils and um, like refrigerators and things that really like brought the humanity, the human species to like the next level when we were able to um, like preserve meat and preserve food and how that totally changed our society. I can't remember the name of it for the life of me right now, um, but I'll send it to you if I can think of it. <laughs> okay, that sounds good. <laughs> and then as we wrap up, how can people find you? Yes. So we are located at 65 Bank Street in New Milford, Connecticut. Uh, we're on the second floor right above William Ravis uh, real estate. So they can always come visit us in the studio. Otherwise, you can find us on our website, which is www.thevolvemindset.yoga. Uh, you can also find us on Facebook and Instagram at the Evolve Mindset. Okay. Yay. Thank you so much for your time. Oh my God, of course. <laughs> it was great. Thank you. Next time on the podcast, Jess Jerbitsky joins me to talk all about how she uses fertility awareness for contraception. This is an especially fun episode and one with a twist on all of these fertility awareness methods because they really are useful in contraception as well. Be sure to join me for that episode. As always, thank you so much for listening. And if you know someone who would enjoy today's episode or would enjoy that episode next time on Fertility Awareness for Contraception, go ahead and take a quick second, hit that share button, send this link over to them. Tell them to subscribe. All right, until next time. Bye.